Well, the new strain, is it really more infectious? Is it more or less severe? And how well will vaccines cope with it? All things that we don't know the answers to yet. And scientists are saying it could take weeks to find out. So, whilst few are advocating total lockdowns, it's certainly going to slow the global economy at the very least. But today, well, things have bounced back a little, as they tend to do. But is this the first bounce of many? It's Tuesday, the 30th of November, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So the US dollar has bounced back a little after Friday's panic stations. It's up a third of 1% on the yen, up half of that on the Swiss franc. The euro has fallen back, losing 0.4%. And the Aussie, well, it's up, but not by much. Still well below 71.3 US cents. So it's hovering around its low point for the last 12 months. Uh, The bounce back in US equities has been a bit stronger. It's a 2% rise in the NASDAQ, 1.5% for the S&P 500 and 1% for the Dow. The FTSE close to 1% up 2 and a half percent rise in the euro stocks 50 uh, perhaps a better day for the asx 200 which lost half a percent yesterday so maybe it'll do better today uh, following on the back of all of that and bond yields back to a five basis point rise in 10-year treasuries four on uk gilts although less significant moves in the rest of europe and oil didn't stay uh, down for long either a 4.3 percent rise in wti back at uh, uh, well at 71.16 it's still a long way off that 80 dollar mark which is where it was nudging before omicom became such a thing uh, there is no need to freak out just yet says the us's dr andrew fauci well here's ray atrell from nab in sydney the problem is uh ray he's saying it's too early to freak out which sort of implies that we we will have to freak out later <laughs> i mean the problem is we just don't know do we so uh, I, w- I presume we're going to i mean we saw a little bounce i mean it's, it's not back to where we were before the whole thing broke and I suspect that's going to be the story this week, isn't it? Back and forwards a bit. I think it is. Yeah, morning, Phil. And um, and certainly to sort of lead off with, with what you just mentioned about Anthony Fauci saying it's sort of it's, it's too soon to know whether to panic. Um, we were fortunate enough um, to have a conversation with Rob Grenfell um, last night. He's the mm. special advisor to Australia's uh, CSIRO. We had a, um, a very well attended webinar with him back in July, where incidentally, he told us on no uncertain terms um, that about now we would have have a variant of the Delta um, virus um, probably emerging out of India or Africa um, and did say at the time he thought it would be um, not nearly as, as serious as Delta but uh, in the conversation that we had with him last night his point was that it is too early to say and that um, the limited amount of evidence that we have from South Africa um, is not a good comparator for us and that uh, he's particularly looking at, at how things develop in Europe over the next couple of weeks so um, so I think it is the conclusion is yes we are a couple of weeks away from knowing whether um, Friday's panic was was justified or whether we can expect perhaps a, a further retrace of, uh, of some of those moves in, in mm. coming days and weeks. And I guess, you know, to sum up last night, we've had a sort of a cautious retracement of some of those moves, but uh, but it's extremely cautious, isn't it? Uh, and limited so far. Yeah, and we know that the reaction, I mean, it could actually be good news, couldn't it? I mean, the, the, I mean, there's early reports, but I mean, these are just isolated reports, aren't they? Saying that it's actually, the symptoms are milder. If it wiped out uh, other strains, uh, and and replaces it with a with a, a milder strain that we that you know that we can all uh, cope with, then that would be good news. But we just don't know, do we? That's we just problem. don't know. No, there's a few um, Australian politicians sort of out singing that all I want for Christmas is Omicron, isn't there? On that basis, but um, yeah. um, but yes, it, it's you know, say so the evidence is very limited, and, and and Rob again was sort of you know maybe cautiously optimistic, but mm. uh, but the, the, you know, and also as to the um, effectiveness of the current vaccines, he suggests that they will probably provide some coverage. 
approach. But again, we don't know. Well, uh, we won't know that for a couple of weeks' time. Well, the thing is, I mean, the response seems to be in many parts of the world. The UK, in particular, is really stepping it up, aren't they? So their vaccine, their their booster shots, they're bringing forward. They're giving kids the second jab, which they hadn't been talking about. So basically, uh, more stuff in people's arms seems to be the UK response in the hope that the the vaccine load will be enough to cope with whatever uh, whatever comes at them. Uh, and I suspect that'll be the path around the rest of the world. But it takes time. That's, I mean, you can't you can't jab people, give people another jab in in a couple of weeks. It can take months before that uh, that sort of program is seen through. No, absolutely. And I think the other sort of message is the imperative of, of getting jabs in arms of uh, you know, of less developed countries, obviously, yeah. that are the uh, the sources of those strains. So, um, well, just to let's... give a bit of a plug for NAB there, and and then the various efforts that we are doing to uh, to support. Uh, vaccine rollouts in, in, in the third world. So um, yes, but uh, yeah, it all is all it going time. to take a little bit of a little bit of time. But um, mm. as I say, some reason perhaps to think that uh, in a few weeks' time, you know, we'll look back and say, you know, it was a, it was a big scare. But you know, I would also say that uh, obviously we're seeing various countries having to slam their borders shut again, and we've clearly got a delayed reopening, particularly in a lot of emerging markets. So think about the tourism industry yeah. in Southeast Asia, for example. So there clearly is going to be an economic impact. And that is not being lost on markets. No, that is the one thing we do know. So, for example, Australia, uh, no return of skilled workers this week. I think the, the National Cabinet is meeting this afternoon as well, aren't they, to discuss, including other things, uh, the question of state borders. Are they are they going to be closed again? And, uh, yeah, it, I mean, certainly it's a delay of delay of reopenings, uh, but also presumably a delay of, of activity by central banks as well. Well, that's the uh, that's the big imponderable. Obviously, markets on Friday decided that, um, you know, they knocked a, a cool quarter point off next year's uh, Fed rate pricing, didn't they? And, uh, you know, with, with some alacrity, and we've come back a little bit. But if I look at, say, two-year Treasury yields, uh, we're up, what, just under three basis points on the day, and we were down 14 basis points um, on Friday. So it's been a very limited uh, retracement. So I think it is is too early. We have had um, one of the ECB officials out saying that um, you know the emergence of, of, of Omicron is not going to have a material impact on um, on the economic mm. outlook. There, at the same time, I think we've had four ECB officials all out suggesting that 2022 at least is uh, is too early to be thinking about uh, rate hikes. But that really is embedded more in that confidence that um, inflation is going to be back closer to two percent. Which, if you look at uh, Germany's numbers last night. Um, um, you know, I think you have to have both uh, fingers crossed behind your back to believe that just at the moment. Yeah, well, it's interesting isn't it? when you get the ECB, they're sounding a little bit more hawkish than everybody else when they're saying, well, we don't think it's really necessarily going to, you know, it, Christine Lagarde was making the point that every wave that we've seen has been less damaging than the previous one. And uh, so perhaps no need to change the, their, their schedule on the easing of uh, of uh, monetary stimulus. Uh, so, you know, they're not changing their views, in other words, whereas you thought maybe they'd, they'd use it as an excuse to be even more dovish than before. But this inflation question is a big one, isn't it? Because we saw, as you say, the inflation rate for Germany yesterday from 4.5% in October up to an annual rate of uh, 6% in November. It was 5.6% for Belgium and Spain. We get uh, the Eurozone numbers today. But also, if you look at uh, producer prices as well, uh, so for Canada uh, yesterday, 16.7% for October, 20.4% for Italy, 25.4% for Singapore. Wherever you look, prices are rising markedly. So, 
you know, is the how, question is, what's the story for Australia and how far will inflation go? Well, of course, that's, that's going to be the big issue. I mean, the one thing I'd say is that obviously, you know, producer prices is, is being driven in, in very large part by, obviously, the sort of raw material prices and, you know, the latest run up oh. in oil prices. It's the single biggest contributor to that. So, but, um, but we're seeing a lot of it getting passed through as well, though, aren't we? No, we, we are. So this, I think that's the other message at the moment. Corp- companies feel that they have pricing power. And, um, you know, and consumers, as much as they are, you know, screaming about, um, you know, higher inflation that they're feeling because companies are able to pass on those costs, they have, they are still going out and spending. But that, of course, is because they are still all very cashed up from the various support mechanisms that were put in place during the pandemic. So the question is, if, you know, as those, as those windfalls get spent, um, if inflation is still not coming down, and more importantly, to your point, you know, about the pass through, it's still we're going, going to require evidence of, of higher wages. Um, you know, to really you know get central banks, um, you know, changing their view. No, no, you know, no more so than uh, than down here in Australia. Um, but now, but will consumer confidence, you know, ret- still you know translate or be ignored in favour of high spending once those windfalls start to be run down? That is a, a big question, I think, as we go into uh, the early part of next year, and we'll get the U.S. Conference Board's consumer confidence reading tonight. So remember that University of Michigan one a couple of weeks ago plunged to, uh, what, 10-year lows. Um, consumer confidence on this measure hasn't fallen nearly as much. So it will be an interesting uh, cross-check uh, against the sort of veracity but, of that earlier Michigan. But one. how useful is it? I mean, it's driven by share prices, inflation concerns and news headlines. And it's, uh, you know, it's going, going to be a little bit out of date <laughs> given what's happened in the last week. No, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it, it probably is going to be the you know, certainly the uh, the November or, or December numbers that we don't get until next month or January that will be more telling here. And but obviously by that time, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be a, not, a lot more knowledgeable about uh, about the current situation yeah. than, than we are today. So uh, China's PMI is today, and uh, manufacturing is still expected to be uh, sub fifty. And, of course, that's being held back by the fact that they've got this zero COVID approach. But how if this new strain, which spreads quickly, gets into China? I mean, there could be many more lockdowns, which is going to slow production even more. And if people are staying at home because they don't want to catch it, then it's going to slow consumption as well. So uh, this could be very bad news for China. Well, no, certainly. And obviously, you know, China is still pursuing this, the zero COVID policy with, you know, with really quite small numbers of outbreaks, you know, 10 or 20 in a particular province, for example. But, um, you know, they know just simply the sheer numbers uh, in absolute terms that, that are, are susceptible to catching the virus if they don't persist with the zero COVID uh, policies is the very reason that they are doing it. So, um, you know, so we'll certainly be looking again, particularly at the service sector um, and how that uh, that PMI behaves. Uh, we're expecting to see that weaker by a couple of points. Manufacturing might pick up a little bit, but still languishing below 50. And, um, you know, and there will be read through to the rest of the world. So we'll be looking at things like the uh, the import PMI uh, sort of sub-index, as well as things like the, uh, as far as Australia is concerned, we'll have a separate steel PMI. So that might give us a little current read on uh, just how much the strength of demand for uh, for iron ore and coking coal is going to be in the next little while. So uh, yes, there'll be uh, a lot to digest, I think, in those numbers. Today. So how do you think it is, it is going to pan out? This is a question I asked to Rodrigo yesterday, but you might have a, a, a different view. Is, is where does inflation really sit? If we see that, for example, places like China having more lockdowns, we get more supply chain difficulties, 
difficulty. So on the supply side, we see prices shoot up. But conversely, on the other side, people might be sticking fearfully at home and not buying as much. So uh, so demand might fall. So one could balance out the other, couldn't they? Which which side do you think it could fall? Could we see inflation getting even higher? Well, you're asking a two-handed economist for, for an answer, and, uh, and you're not going to get one. And <laughs> I, I gave think, you both know, The answer is that uh, you know the current developments do threaten to extend the sort of the, the, the transitory into what, you know, myself and colleagues have been talking about long transitory for sure. Um, you know, and certain, certainly some of the, you know, dissecting a lot of the uh, inflation numbers, particularly in the US and trying to separate out sort of uh, items that are inherently transitory from those that are not. And, and we're talking about things like rents, particularly in the US, for example. You know, there's reason to think that there are certainly some non-transitory elements to this. And, uh, you know, and then the question is, how quickly will they come down? And if they don't come down quickly enough, are inflation expectations, you know, a sufficient worry for central banks that they can't ignore them? And that at the moment seems to be, or there has been the messaging out of the Fed. We're still believing the transitory argument, but we're, uh, you know, our nose is growing as we're, uh, every time we say that, uh, and we're alert to the upside risks. And I think that's a reasonable way of thinking about it at the moment. I hadn't heard the expression long transitory before. Do you think that's going to make it into the dictionary next year? <laughs> Look, Australian GDP. Uh, this week, the NAB view is that it's going to fall more than the consensus. The consensus is a 2.5% drop in Q3. But uh, we had, of course, a, a big fall in business inventories, didn't we, yesterday for Q3? That's right. And as I say, the net export numbers will uh, be another piece of the jigsaw, um, uh, which are expected to add actually 1% of GDP. But, um, you know, although, you know, economists tend to get pushed from pillar to post with each of these partials, um, you know, ultimately it's the strength of the, the consumer is the biggest single contributor to GDP. Uh, and we don't really have an effective partial for that. So, um, you know, these numbers don't give us necessarily necessarily a, a good guide and uh, so two and a half percent is the consensus obviously the government was talking about you know three to four percent um you know earlier in the during the early phase of, of, of lockdowns in victoria and new south wales so um anyway it's uh, there'll be a, a passing interest in them but i think uh, you know on the day probably the mm. china numbers are a little bit more important and then what we get tonight in terms of those eurozone cpi numbers you mentioned and, and conference yep. board and a few more sort of sprinkling of numbers out of the US. And Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen as well before the Senate today and tomorrow. Not a good time for them because there's going to be lots of questions about how much uh, Omicron's going to be derailing the Fed's timetable. Well, I'm not really quite sure anyone was entirely sure what their timetable was. So, uh, so at least of all that. <laughs> but anyway, we'll leave it there. We'll see what the day brings. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you soon. Thanks, Phil. And can you believe that is the last morning call of November back up for the 1st of December tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you then. <laughs>